Hello, welcome to the Elevate Database Show, episode 18. Hello, running out of Hi. fingers, so we'll just have to imagine what 18 is. <laughs> <laughs> you could do like, like flash hands, like do that. Five and three. <laughs> okay. Do something special for 20. We should, yeah. we should have some, uh, all of us can be flashing our hands for 20. <laughs> We're gonna have like a, a flash mob. Okay, we're here to explore current topics in data visualization, share our creative inspiration and the tools and techniques that we're experimenting with as practicing information designers. Today, we are talking about how to pick a topic for a personal project. And so if you're looking to build out your portfolio with a personal project, but you kind of keep getting stuck on finding a suitable topic, then you're in luck because that is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about some personal projects that worked out, maybe some ones that didn't work out and why we think that was, um, and give you some tips to get started with your topic. I'm Ali Torben. We also have Duncan Gear and Will Chase. Gabrielle Marit will join us in a few minutes. And before we jump in, this show is supported by the members of the Elevate Dataviz Learning Community who get the opportunity to watch and ask questions live. And if you would like to do that and level up your Dataviz skills in a supportive community, you can check out elevatedataviz.com. <clears throat> okay, so the reason why I wanted to do this topic is because uh, talking to different members of the community and also having calls with other people who are aspiring DataViz designers, it kind of feels like I'm having a the same conversation over and over again in that someone says, oh, I'm looking to get into DataViz, so I'm trying to build a portfolio. Um, and I say, okay, cool, maybe you could do a, a personal project. And they're like, yeah, I've been thinking about that, but uh, I'm not really sure what I would do the project on, or like I kind of have the seed of an idea, but just don't really have the basically the energy to get going like there's some, just something missing on getting them started and so i thought okay this is a perfect uh opportunity for us to chat about it so i thought we could go around and maybe talk about a personal project that you did um and it could be one that worked and maybe one that didn't work <laughs> or a mix of both what are you or talking whatever about? none of my personal projects have worked <laughs> all of our personal <laughs> projects is take off to the moon <laughs> Um, and then we can give some tips, tips to people. And I can get started if um, if that works for you, y'all. Yes, I want to hear it. Let's go. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm going to share my screen. These are a couple uh, graphics that I used in my portfolio when I first started looking for a database job back in 2018. So I want to talk about where they came from. Um, so the one on the right... I always get my left and right mixed up. On the right uh, is just a map with dots on it. And the dots, I think, are even colored, maybe. Uh, maybe not this version. Another version I did, the dots were colored. Uh, the dots are trees in New York City, and they were colored by the health of the trees. And this was me just trying to figure out how to use Mapbox. And I, I think that they're colored. I can see some kind of like orange and blue in yeah, the, you, in the map in? there. Are you seeing it zoom? Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. It is it is colored. Yeah, and we can see your pointer as well. So that's a lot of healthy healthy trees. Yeah, right? you can see here's like some yellow. I think I did yellow. I think I did red. So I had the classic red to green <laughs> color palette. Um so yeah, I, I I think blue was like green was healthy and then blue was becoming not like, you know, it was going green, blue, yellow, orange, red was <laughs> the color scheme. Um but really, I was just trying to show off that I knew how to use Mapbox. That was kind of really 
I was trying to show that I could use a tool and I had run across this data set in the open, it might've been even in uh, data is plural, the data set newsletter um, with- Amazing data set newsletter. Yes, amazing. The amazing data, the one and only probably <laughs> <laughs> compiled data sets. Um, Duncan, would you mind grabbing a link to that and dropping I am me? doing okay, that right you. now. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you lack a data set, get on this newsletter because you're going to be data set overloaded. <laughs> and so I think I, I was watching that newsletter at the time because I knew I wanted to try to make something. Um, and, you know, a lot of times it's hard to find a data set that you can wrap your brain around really quickly. And this was one where it's like, oh, I instantly get it. Each dot's a tree and I can color it by the health. So um, I did that in Mapbox. And, you know, there's nothing that interesting about it but if you're not in the field and you're i don't know you're hiring someone to do this kind of work someone who can create this kind of map you know that's not bad so anyway that was one <clears throat> which i would consider i wouldn't i don't want to say not successful but not as successful as the other ones and i'll, I'll tell you why in a second so okay, the other before, yeah. before you go on mm -hmm. so just do you did you have an idea of what success would look like when you made it? Uh, I wanted it to look cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted it to look cool in a portfolio, and it did. It's like you know everybody likes black, you know the black uh, background yeah. of a map and like the glowing dots. So I feel like it did what it needed to do, and I did I did get the job on this portfolio. So I mean that's a success. But I think if I were to do it again, um, I'll talk through the other two. And what I find is kind of like the three common or three like elements that I find to be really useful in a um, personal project. So this top one is it says looking for a job doing data visualization. And this is the survey results from the data Visual visualization society survey back in 2019. And I created this because I was learning how to use Adobe Illustrator. So, you know, like the typical like wide format infographic type thing that was a little bit, I guess, still popular now, but a little bit more popular then. Um, I was trying to learn Illustrator and arranging things uh, in Illustrator. And I also was trying to figure out what database job I wanted to do. And it was really cool to be able to see, here, let me zoom in again. Um, how someone spent their time based on the survey, how someone said they spent their week. Uh, this is that median number of hours spent per week on creating a viz, doing design, data engineering, portfolio, data prep, data science. So you can kind of see how it spreads out. But <clears throat> if you break it up by the organization and the role that the person is in, you can see that it kind of differs. So like someone in an engineering role is typically spending more time on engineering than the average person or a designer is spending more time creating viz and doing design than the average uh, data viz designer um, who filled out the survey. So I created it because I was curious about this and I was trying to figure out what job I wanted to do or that kind of fit me. Um, and having realizing that there are actually kind of different things you can be doing day to day in a data viz job was kind of a light bulb moment for me in doing this visualization. So I would say this one is a success because a success because I feel like it was I've shared it a lot with other people and I think it's useful. Um, it kind of showed that I was okay at doing some layout and making some some charts. Um, 
and yes. hopefully it taught you some skills in Illustrator along yeah, the way. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, it did. So I would say this one was successful. Now this one was, <clears throat> this is also a Mapbox map, but all I did, I think I might've used Illustrator to overlay these points in the text. I did the analysis. Um, so this is the premium on Arlington homes within walking distance of the Metro. So another Mapbox thing where uh, you can do isochrones in Mapbox where it will show you like a certain area and also tell you um, how far you can get from like a center point, like in 10 minutes. So actually, I think I might've actually used a mix between Mapbox and Carto DB. Is Carto DB even around anymore? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't, yeah, it was such a cool tool, but it's another mapping tool and it actually made it uh, a really easy to do isochrone analysis. So I'd be like, okay, walking distance. Um, I, I think I set the, I think I said it like within a mile. If it's within a mile of a metro, okay, mark off this area and then take the average price per square foot of these houses compared to the houses that are not in that area um, in, in Arlington. So then you can see like if you're within a walking distance of the East Falls Church metro, then you might be uh, spending a premium of $13 per square foot. Um, Pentagon City, actually, there's not a premium you actually can save money <laughs> walking distance of that one. So anyway, <clears throat> this was more of the analysis rather than the actual visualization. Um, and yeah, I, I was, I was going to say, you can absolutely sort of see a trajectory hmm. here where mm -hmm. the, you know, the first map that you show is just like, here is all the data. Yes. Dots on a map. You, you figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And then the second one is, here is quite a lot of data mm. and then you know here are some things that maybe you can take away from it yeah and then this last one is just like here is the only data that you need to know yes and i think it's story. that process of refinement that i think a lot of um new like people getting into data visualization they go on that journey yeah they start with showing everything and they end by showing what the audience needs to know yeah because your mind is just so blown by a hey i can use this tool right so like boom and then two like look at all the things i can put in one visualization like all the data all the things that i can put in here uh isn't that cool <laughs> you go from like isn't it just cool that i can actually do this to okay how am i going to shape this into something that people care about um, but this one, I got into this because I was also looking for a house and it kind of surprised me that, um, well, it didn't surprise me, but I just found it interesting that, uh, you know, within if you're within walking distance of a metro, it was like way more expensive. And then it made me think, well, how much more expensive? And so I was kind of following my own curiosities. And I actually was able to pitch this one to Arlington Magazine and they bought this story. And they didn't actually run the visual that I did with it, but <laughs> it was just a text story. <laughs> so, pass or fail, I don't know. But um, I did- I'd call that a win. Yeah, I would, I'll call that a win. I was able to say I got published by a magazine. Hey, got um, uh, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. So, um, so doing, looking back on these, um, some of the things that I felt like if I were to do a personal project again, um, I kind of feel like there's a tool aspect, you know, either maybe you want to learn how to do a tool. So that's a good time to do a personal project. Um, and having the data because sometimes you have an idea and the data is just not there or you got to figure out how to get it so like you got a tool you want to use maybe you run up against a data set and or maybe you think about the topic first and i think 
having a topic that is really interesting to you and it's something that you're personally personally invested in somehow because all these things took a lot of time for me to do so if i'm going to be investing 20 hours in something 20 plus hours then it should be something that i'm going to be inherently interested in otherwise i'm just going to give up on it um, and those are things that, you know, I, I have done started projects where I, it seemed like a good idea and either I couldn't find the data or um, it just wasn't personally interesting enough to get me over that hump. But I found like those three things, if you have those three things, then uh, it's likely going to be a pretty good candidate for you. Um, so either like some sort of inherent interest in the topic or maybe like some sort of goal. Like if I, my goal was to get published in a magazine, you know, that might help guide me into what would be an interesting story. And then it would get me over the hump when things were, you know, getting hard because I knew I had this goal of sending it to someone and getting it published. So um, yeah, those are those are kind of my, my three things that I was thinking about when a personal project. Yeah, I think it's interesting about starting with the story and this aspect about the tooling as well, because mm -hmm. I definitely found the same thing, but I think you can be, you can find some sort of success, I think, in either way, because um, I think ultimately what you wanna do with personal projects is tap into a community of people, right? Mm. So um, sometimes that community is around the topic uh, and sometimes there, but there are also communities around tools. And so, I would argue, like I always tell people, it doesn't usually make a great story when you're you're going sort of tool first, which is what I think mm -hmm. a lot of people, like you said, do when they're yeah. first starting out because you're really excited about it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I wanna make something with this tool. Uh, and so you just kind of go look for some data and <clears throat> you know, you're not really- Put you're, the dots you're not on focused, <laughs> Yeah, you don't focus so much on the story or, or even necessarily the data. Um, and so you make something and it might look cool, but I don't think it will gain like wide adaptation outside of that community of that tool, mm -hmm. but that can still be effective. You know, there's a lot of people that really love Mapbox or really love one, Tableau. whatever one particular software. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think Tableau is a great example because that has like mm -hmm. a really big community mm -hmm. in, in, mm -hmm. in existence already. Yeah. And I would say, especially if you're doing something within the sort of tool focused genre, the way to really make yourself stand out is to do something that people wouldn't ordinarily use that tool for, like to do something that looks like, wow, I can't believe you made that with Tableau, you know, mm -hmm. um, that's and definitely teach someone else how to do it. That would be, that would yeah, be exactly. And then you write a tutorial. This is yeah. how I did this thing with Tableau or with R or with Mapbox that, you know, you'd never think was possible with that tool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess thinking about your goal, ahead of time like what you were saying will like do you want are you trying to connect with other people in the community or like maybe even build a personal brand kind of like get known a little bit more for your work because then maybe sharing and becoming part of a community is important for me mm -hmm. on this one i was just trying to like get some stuff into a pdf <laughs> so i could submit right. it as, you know so um i think it's okay if you if you're not looking to share widely but i mean i am all for that being a um, something worthwhile, but you don't have to do that. So thinking about what your what your goal is for your personal project is helpful too. 
Yeah, that's why I asked that, you that question earlier when I was saying, you know, you were saying this wasn't successful, as mm -hmm. I were, but what did, what did that success yeah. actually mean to you on this project? Yeah, it was and... successful and then it went into the PDF. But um, I think for me, success and for a personal project, maybe now would be that it expanded my knowledge or network, maybe in some kind of way. I think that maybe is what I would be looking for. Or bank balance. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, let's see, Duncan, what about you? Do you have a personal project? Yeah, I've got a couple that I can show. And I think the contrast between the two is useful to talk about, perhaps. So let me just uh, share my screen. Um, so this first one that I'm going to show is called Time for Heroes. And um, it's a bit kind of like dense detail wise, but this is basically a map of influence among indie bands in the mid 2000s. Um, I spent a lot of time in the 2000s listening to music, <laughs> listening to indie bands and working as a DJ for a while and things. And um, this was a project that I kind of made to highlight how influence like flowed between different bands according to me <laughs> in the sense that i kind of like listed all the bands that i could think of i kind of like raided all my old spotify playlists and things and then i said i kind of like i, I kind of like mapped them out according to when their first album was released so that's the left to right axis along here the top to bottom axis is not really meaningful though it kind of goes from sort of like more guitar oriented acts to more electronic oriented acts at the bottom and then um yeah, I kind of thought, well, yeah, the Strokes, you know, they absolutely influenced like the Kings of Leon, the Killers, Franz Ferdinand, Franz Ferdinand probably influenced the Arctic Monkeys and so, so this on. Is, this is from your opinion. Like this is entirely sounds... from my opinion. Ah, yes. so it sounds like they were influenced by these people. Exactly. Um, mm. and, and this is a, I think, reasonably informed opinion, but it is 100% <laughs> just my opinion. And... Um, I kind of so so the reason why I created this was partly because I thought it would be fun to play with. I was very early in my kind of like data viz journey, um, and also I wanted to improve my design skills. And I think this was like one of the first projects that I made, and I was like, "Yeah, this actually looks quite good." Like I could see this existing as a poster. I'd seen like, mm -hmm. you, in fact, you know, people watching this have probably seen similar maps for in other things. Like I think there's one of like post punk bands. There's a thing about like Madchester bands. Um, I hadn't seen something like that for my favorite genre of music, mm -hmm. and so I thought, well, I'll just create it then. Um, so yeah, this was kind of about creating that data set and kind of about like boosting my design skills. I made it in Sketch, which was kind of a precursor to Figma in a lot of ways, uh, except it cost money, unlike Figma. Um, and it was also like a, a Mac app rather than a, an online tool, a, a browser-based tool. What, and... what, I, what I really like about this is that you collected the data yourself. Because I feel like yeah. that really can mess people up. Like they got really a really great idea. Uh, they know what tool they want to use, but it's like, well, I can't find the data. And sometimes it's like, yeah. well, then make the data. Like figure out what exactly. you can measure with this. And then it doesn't have to be a perfect scale. Like it, you can literally say, this is my opinion of the scale. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Don't let that stop ah, here's, you. Here's Hi, Gabby. Gabby. Welcome, Gabby. <laughs> Hi. Sorry. <laughs> That's right. I'm here. Hi. <laughs> 
So yeah, I, I kind of put this up on my website and you know, underneath there's like an FAQ thing. How did you decide who influenced who? Uh, yeah, the, the bright yellow ones are kind of like key influences, ones that like bands that were particularly influential on other bands. Um, and yeah, this was in May, 2019. So uh, what is that now? About four and a half years ago, something mm. like that. Um, and I kind of had some vague ideas about selling this as a poster, hmm. um, but I think what this was not successful in the terms that I wanted, that I set for it. Hmm. It was successful in the sense that I got a lot of practice working in a vector design tool, which is mm -hmm. not something I had before. I had a reasonably good handle on Photoshop, but I had no real experience working with vectors. And this was like, you know, I, but like all of these little arrows in here. I manually like positioned every single one oh, of wow. them. And that was like a total, yeah, it took me a, a very long time. <laughs> yeah, you. But, I realized pretty quick, I was like, it's really hard to put this stuff together. <laughs> it's a yeah, lot of work. It, it was like, everything here is hand placed. Yeah. And like the arrangement of all the bands and everything, none of this is algorithmically generated. This is all hand placed. And, mm -hmm. you know, that was a lot of work, but at the same time, by the end of it, I was really good at working with vectors. And mm -hmm. so it was extremely successful from that point of view, but I, thought that like that community like the people of, of like people who'd be into that and I think like maybe the broader data viz community would be more interested in it than they were um and I think that they weren't for two reasons one of them was that there was no objective basis behind this it was purely my opinion <laughs> and they were like okay sure whatever then and then the second was that this is quite a niche subject that mm. there aren't that many people who are into. Mm. And so there wasn't necessarily like a big online community out there that's like really into these bands or anything, especially like when I created it in 2019, like that was a low point for sort of guitar music broadly. Mm. Um, and what? so, yeah, so, so I think this was like successful in some terms, but not others. But then the other one that I created, I think about six months later or something, oh, I remember was this this, uh, this graphic of Soviet space dogs. I think maybe so this, this was the first piece I came across from yours, like just randomly on Twitter. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so, so what this is is like every uh, like point, every star in each of these constellations represents a dog that flew into space on a Soviet space mission. Uh, the yellow ones are the dogs that survived, and the um, the purple ones are the dogs that died. Larger uh, circles flew on more missions, and the dogs that are directly connected together are the ones that flew together. Oh. So, for example, Belyanka and Pestraya um, flew together, and they both survived. And uh, ZIB, which is a Russian acronym that means substitute for missing Bollock, because Bollock ran away the day before the flight, and they had to replace it, and they couldn't come up with a name in time. Um, and Neputevi, I apologize for my uh, horrendous Russian pronunciation here. Uh, they flew together. Um, you can see Laika, who was the only dog who flew solo down in the mm. bottom left there. Um, and she died within a few hours from overheating. But many of the dogs survived. And um, Belka and Strelka on the left-hand side here, they were the first animals to reach orbit and return safely. And uh, Belka went off and flew again with se on several other missions, went into space several times, came back. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how this uh, this chart works. And this was kind of so. So I didn't exactly collect the data myself for this, 
but it was not a database that I found on the internet. It was a database that I found in the back of a book and I transcribed it into an air table, I think it was. And then, um, yeah, I, I sort of, I, I kind of like looked at the flight dates and everything and I built like a really solid database from this book. And then I put that online and then I made this graphic from, from that. What, so what I kind you... of created the data set from other resources. And I think that's what these two have in common. They're both mm -hmm. like data sets that I created myself. What made you want to do that? Like you saw this in the back of the book. What made, what, like what sparked your interest in that? I mean, I've always been quite interested in, in, in the Soviet space dog program. I, mm -hmm. I'd written about it previously in my past life as a science journalist. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that, you know, most people have heard of Laika, the, the first dog in space, the first animal in space. Um, but not very many people knew the scale of the program, like that so yeah, many, many dogs, dogs went into space into over like how many flights and everything. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of like wanted to, more people to understand that the U S used chimps instead, but at mm -hmm. a much like lower, uh, intensity, basically they, mm -hmm. they sent humans up sooner. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I think this is a much more interesting data set than the other one is. And I think that that's probably like my key learning from both of these, these projects. Like the more interesting the data set you have, the more interesting the final piece of work is going to be. And this was much, much more popular among other people. Like I think the, the, the design work is nice in this one as well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the design work in both of them. I even made a, if, if I wonder if this will work, if I resize this window, ah, trying to like grab the edge on multiple monitors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here uh -huh. is a, like a mobile version that I also made. And here mm. I like use the sort of like slightly Cyrillic-y looking uh, font yeah. on the things. And I arranged it over as a timeline instead. Ah. So this this kind of like expands over time. Oh, I like that. So this was kind of like me experimenting with um yeah, with with mobile design as well as uh as well as desktop design. Would you uh, say and again there's one... like an FAQ underneath. Would you say this one was successful? I think this was successful in the sense that this well, you know, you you saw this on Twitter. So that, I did. Like, I did. Without it's knowing awareness, me. So, yeah. If awareness was your goal. <laughs> right. Yeah. So so this actually you know, a bunch of people share this and was like, this is really cool. You know, I'm really interested in this. A few people made their own visualizations because I shared the, the data set. And so a few people made their own visualizations of the same data, ah, which neat. was kind of successful. And yeah, this was kind of like me showing, you know, I, again, I know how to use design tools, but this time this one like built my name a little bit more. I feel like you so, injected more personality in this one too. Do you, you think know, so? That's interesting. Yeah, it's got like, you know, it's got a theme, you know, you got these constellations, it's in space, mm -hmm. you know, the other one, it was more of just like, here's a hierarchy with like some lines kind of a thing. Right. And yeah. This was more yeah, like this one. something you can hang your hat on, you know, like uh, maybe more yeah. memorable. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, like this definitely had a story, you know? Yes. I think there absolutely. was, it was evident, like the, it, like you said, the other one was more like, almost like with Ali, you know, your first map where it's just like, here's all the data. Yeah, here's a yeah. bunch of stuff. <laughs> and, and, you know, this one, this one definitely has more of a, a narrative to it. Yeah, especially with, I, I think like my annotation on this, I was really happy with, mm. you know, like showing the, the dog that made the most space flights, you know, I showed Laika, the first dog in space. I showed 
uh, the first out, like you know, Belka and Strelka down here, and then Zib, like just the interesting stories hidden in the data, like bringing those out. Like when I was looking at the data, every single time I was like, oh, that's interesting. I made a little note of that, and then mm. I made sure to annotate that in the final graphic. And I think mm. that that can make a, a whole lot of difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for annotations, like just starting with the superlatives, right? Like what's the biggest, yeah. what's the smallest, you know? Yeah. Uh, Cause that's the I, the first thing my eye was drawn to was the big one in the middle, Kusachka. It's like, yep. what is that? Why? How? Yeah. Who who <laughs> changed names in between different flights? And that's a bit confusing because there's like a couple of different databases on this and it's named differently in the different databases. Oh. So there was a little bit of, uh, yeah, I had to do a little bit of work on that. Interesting. Um, Great. Yeah. So I, I think kind of, yeah, what, what I learned from this primarily is just like have a really good data set to start with or make um, your own yeah and, and 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 exactly if if you haven't got a good data set then just like make one and make it something that you're passionate about as well mm -hmm. like i think sonia kuipers does this fantastically well she's very very good at creating her own really really like data sets about what can be quite niche things sometimes but she will like create her own data set and then make a custom visualization off the back of it and i would really love to see more aspiring information designers take that route. I think it's really, really super effective and it sets your work apart from, from others, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, Sonia's yeah, work definitely website. inspired me early on, especially because she collected all that data about the mascaras, remember? And then did the the little mascara graphic with it. And yeah, yeah she's yeah, great at absolutely. collecting her own data. Yeah, uh, maybe we can bring that up on screen uh, quickly. Uh, I'll see if I can find it while, uh, while you... <laughs> You speak. <laughs> well, I moderate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this one actually inspired me to do um, uh, this that, one. Yep, that Women of Dataviz one where I kind of did glyphs like she did as well. Yeah, so each one is a little glyph about the uh, some attribute of different mascaras that she found. It's really fun to look at. Yeah, it's just like, cute. Yeah, it's I love cool. it. <laughs> it's like, okay, so for those who may listen to like the podcast about the video, it's like those little eyes, like icon of eyes, and then there's different things like the length and then the volume, mm -hmm. and all together it creates a different shape of eye, and they look very anime-ish, I think. That would be probably, they look really fun. Like some of them have like more um, eyelashes, some of them don't have eyelashes, some of them have like the little white thingy. Mm -hmm. I don't know, there's like really interesting, it just makes it really fun to look at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so don't let a lack of data stop you. Try to see if you can find something to measure or collect your own. And then, you know, maybe that's not possible. And that, that happens too. There's so many like little ideas we've all had and then it just never, we were never able to get it over the hump to actually like start creating something. So that's okay. Yep. Yeah, I will definitely talk about that. <laughs> all right, you're up, Will. <laughs> all right, well, with that, um, yeah, let me pull um, something up, share a screen. Okay, let's see. Uh, window, this one, okay. Um, so let's see, there we go. Um, yeah, so I'll talk about a couple of projects that I think maybe were successful in some ways and, and, and not in others. And then I'll also talk about things that I think were um, completely unsuccessful, which means <laughs> just didn't come to fruition. Um, uh, 
but um, so this was th this first one, which I've shown off a lot. So I won't go through it in super detail was this uh, story that I made about earthquakes. Um, I was for this competition. Um, and this was the first, like, I had made little charts and stuff before this, but this, this was the first, like, big project that I made. Um, and I think it was really successful in my mind. Like, I didn't actually start out with a lot of goals other than maybe my goal was, like, you know, get an award in this competition that it was part of, um, which it didn't. Uh, <laughs> so in that National sense. Geographic's one? This one was for a, a competition that was run by Mapbox and um Oh right, right, right. Because they used their the, scrolly telling thing or something. Yeah, like and I think the DVS ran it as well. Ah. Um, so uh it was um it was about visualizing a, like natural disaster risk. Um uh and I think in that sense, maybe so it didn't win an award for that, but it did win awards for other things. And the sort of the public reception was was far greater than I ever thought it would be. Like I assumed that this would just be a thing that like I entered in this competition and then maybe like, you know, the judges liked it or something, but that would be it. And it it turned out that like the life that it had beyond that competition was far greater than the one that it had mm -hmm. within it. Um and I think uh, the reason why this ended up being really successful, there were like a couple reasons. I think the first was that I definitely basically stuck to what I knew. Like I, um, when I was thinking about coming up with this story, you know, I was a scientist previously. Um, and so I went for scientific topic. Like I took this uh, thing that, you know, it wasn't my area of expertise, but like in order to make this story, I went through and read like, you know, two dozen scientific papers on the topic and kind of pieced together this whole field and line of study. Um, so the competition didn't give you this data? No, no, you mm -hmm. had to come up with your own idea, find your mm -hmm. own data, do all the stuff yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and so was, there was no theme, no, nothing specific. What, what was the constraint on the brief? For the, the theme was natural disaster risk. So make something that helps to visualize the risk from a, 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 any type of natural disaster. So did you glob onto hurricanes at first or sorry, earthquakes? Uh, I actually started thinking of hurricanes. I started, so. <laughs> you have another one on hurricanes. Yeah, I have another one on hurricanes, which I'll show in a second. So that's what the, these both have in common. I mm. kind of uh, started with a theme. Um, but uh, I think the... Um, I was I was brainstorming ideas and I don't know where this idea just came out of nowhere of like could a I because I could I thought about like oh I could just do you know like flood risk or like the hurricane risk but to me that felt kind of like a little bit boring maybe mm -hmm. um or like standard I was like eh like it's been done before so there was nothing I felt like I could add especially with like my own time constraints so I felt like especially because I was working alone in order to stand out, I would need a more unique angle. And so I thought of like, what could I do about the risk of like one natural disaster triggering another natural disaster? Hmm. Uh, and so I was actually at the time thinking about things more related to like hurricanes, like hurricanes can trigger tornadoes. Hmm. Um, and that's something I could have done, but sort of as I was just randomly Googling, like triggering of natural disasters or something, this idea of remote triggering of earthquakes came up. And so I started digging into it. Um, so you had this like initial seed of a curiosity, like something mm -hmm. triggering something like the butterfly flapping its wings, right? Triggering. Yeah. Triggering something. <laughs> and then you were Googling it and it led you to this data set. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't really a data set. I mean, I pieced this together. Like I was emailing back and forth with the authors of all these papers that I, that I was reading. And so they sent me their, some of their data, other data I had to go and like collect from the USGS. Like they have portals where you can collect this data. Can you, um, can you talk about that? Cause I feel like it's for a lot of people, it's scary mm -hmm. to contact, um, you know, experts, whether it's scientific mm -hmm. or journalists, like, can you talk about how you, you know, how you reach out? What did you say to them to convince them yeah. to give you access? Like all of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the first thing to know is that, especially if you're contacting like a researcher, like if you're contacting a scientist, a professor, like someone who's doing research at a nonprofit, like. 99% of the time, they're going to be like really excited that you have found their topic and you're interested enough in it to reach out to them. So like they want to hear from you, like they will be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're writing about this. I'd be more than happy to share the data. So somebody in the real world cares about what I'm doing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and so don't, don't sweat too much about like, oh my gosh, I'm going to like email this big professor at Harvard and like, they're not, you know, don't do that. Just email them and say, Hey, I found your work. I thought it was so interesting. I'm a, I'm a data viz designer and I wanted to do a, a story about it or, or write a piece on it. Would you be willing to share the data or answer these questions or whatever you want? It can yeah. be pretty informal. And be, but be um, specific about what you want. Yeah. Be specific about what you want. Or if you don't know exactly what you want, you could say like, you know, would you have time to, to answer some questions or could you maybe point me to someone else? Because a lot of times like the person whose name is on the thing might not be the person that did the work. So you could mm -hmm. say, you know, if there's someone else, you have a student or a colleague who might be better for this, you could point me to them. Um, but in general, I just send a quick, pretty informal and brief email, just sitting specifically if you know what you want um, and like keep it simple and then um, if you don't get a response initially, I just send a follow-up about a week later. Uh, and then at that point, if you've sent like one to two follow-ups and you're not getting any response, you just move on and, and it's fine. Um, so yeah, that's what I would do. Hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, I think the reason anyways, so I was going to say, I think the reason why this was successful was because it was really leveraging like the skills that I had previously. So, you know, to me, this felt very much like writing a scientific paper. Like mm -hmm. I did the literature review, read all the stuff, and the way that I laid out the story was exactly how I would write a paper. You know, it mm -hmm. sort of walked the person through like the process of discovery that they went through to, to learn these, you know, these things. Um, and so I think leveraging whatever previous uh, knowledge or experience you have is, is definitely helpful. And also because it was in the realm of science, I had some subject matter expertise there. So, you know, you could lean on that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think this particular transition was the other reason it was successful. Uh, it just looks cool. And yeah. like, uh, <laughs> actually my favorite author has like a lot of writings on, um, on how he, it's a fantasy author. So how he designs like magic systems and things. And, uh, he has this rule uh, that he says is like his guiding principle, which is just when in doubt, always err on the side of awesomeness. So like, <laughs> it doesn't really matter as much, you know, like there, there's all these rules about like internal consistency and it making sense. And like, you know, it, 
opposite reactions and whatever. And he's like, but at the end of the day, just do what's coolest. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so well. Yeah, it's very simple, but like there's so many, so many projects that like go crazy on Twitter because they just have a single cool animation or like a single cool image that mm -hmm. just grabs people's attention. Yeah, some amazing illustrations, some, mm -hmm. yeah, just so, the transition is cool. So that transition where you have dots displayed on the map that shows mm -hmm. all the earthquake that happens in the last, I don't know how many years, and yeah. they are pulled out and move on a mm -hmm. is that what dot what is this called it's like a bar yeah like a dot box. plot yeah 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 okay yeah i I'm, I'm saying that in case people are not watching the screens because i know yes exactly yeah so there's like a map with dots uh representing earthquakes in the last 10 days and then it it switches and all the dots fly off of the map and become basically like a timeline showing the frequency over time um of those earthquakes uh uh, so yeah, that's those are a couple of reasons I thought this turned out really well. Um, and then the other project I'll talk about briefly was this hurricane thing, which I did shortly after. And so I felt like, I don't know here, I didn't intend this, but like it's a theme, I guess. Um, uh, and I thought this was successful for a couple of reasons. I mean, it was successful in that I think it got a pretty decent reception within the community and also it got me published. So uh, this ended up being published in Scientific American um i didn't set out like this must be for publication it was more like i'm gonna make this and then if someone wants to publish it great um and i think that's a nice way to like both take the pressure off of pitching your first project um is to say i'm just gonna make this anyways and then it's a bonus if they want to publish it did you um, find that was it the data that came first or you had some idea about hurricanes like how did it what's the um, it was actually the data that came first. So I don't remember how, but I was on Wikipedia <laughs> and I was clicking through Wikipedia rabbit holes. And somehow I came to this list on Wikipedia that was like a list of all the retired hurricane names and associated data with them. Um, and so that was like, you know, so then I just started digging from there. Um, and then I sort of built the story around that. So the, the story became like, okay, how did the hurricanes uh, get their names and why do they retire names and all of that stuff. Um, and I think it's sort of an interesting story. Like it definitely, you know, there's stuff that you can learn from it. Um, but I think that was maybe one of the like downfalls of this project is the story because i started with the data perhaps like the story is not as strong as it could have been mm. um i mean i don't know if there is a stronger story here so maybe that's a not a good way to put it but like in the first project i started with the story and found the data for it which i think usually leads to a much stronger narrative like it's much more engaging whereas in this case Although like you can learn a lot of information, like this is fun and interesting. And you're like, wow, I learned something new today. That was cool. Um, but it's not, it doesn't read as narratively. Like it doesn't hook you. And you're like, I want to keep scrolling and like figure out what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's more like here are some names and kind of yeah. some attributes about them kind of. Yeah, thing. it's like, here's yeah. some information. Kind of like my trees on a map. And you know, you can learn <laughs> about this process and how things are named and how they're retired, which is kind of a, a fun, a funny process with some funky anecdotes behind it. So in that sense, it's like interesting factoids, but it, it's less narrative for sure. Yeah, starting um, starting with some sort of 
problem or like inherent question or perspective or like you know some mm -hmm. something that you want to know and find out it does feel like that on along all of our projects it's kind of made, yeah. makes it pushes it over the edge yeah definitely um but i think again in the sense that this was successful like i think this was a big reason why I got my job at Axios. Uh, they just saw this project and they were like, this is really cool. I really like it. Um, and it was this whole central visualization, which was a whole, like, this was the reason I wanted to build this project. I had this idea in my head of like a circular thing that represented a hurricane and showed all the hurricanes. Um, and uh, it has this thing where you can zoom uh, and then like scroll to turn this wheel um, to view around it. So again, this was another example of just like rule of cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, cool. you know, this is not the most clear or like super obvious way to show the data. Like there's probably ways you could show it that would lead to, I don't know, maybe more insights or like you could pull out more correlations, but this is just way cooler. And I had never seen anybody do this before. Um, well, that's the nice part about a personal project, right? It's like, exactly. I, I can choose to do the cool thing rather than like the most practical thing. That's the yes. amazing part about the personal project. It's like, yeah, maybe you want to do some things that are slightly more practical if that's, if your goal is to like, you know, get a job or something, but mm -hmm. also this is your time to be cool. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I definitely encourage people to go out and just like do things that are a little bit wacky on personal projects. Cause um, you're not often going to get that opportunity in your day-to-day -day work. It's it's also a little bit of your personality. Like you do some wacky stuff, even at Axios. Yeah. Like a 3D <laughs> truck. I feel like it, this is also why it was successful probably at Axios because mm -hmm. it they they respond to this kind of visual. Like they do things that are mm -hmm. a little untraditional. So, you know, if you had just not boring, but traditional mm -hmm. interactive chart, maybe they wouldn't have been so attracted to your portfolio. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I do agree with that. Like, it's nice to show a personality in these projects as well. Um, and then for some total fails, I'll just show one of these. I don't know if I've ever shown this before, so this is kind of fun. Um, so I love collecting data on TV shows, and I've done it three or four times and I have like three or four of these sheets. So this is a sheet uh, for the show Friends, which is one of my favorite shows. What, uh, what are the other shows? You've got The Office. I know you've got I The got Office. I've got The Office. I've got um, some YouTube series uh, and maybe that's it. Maybe I didn't do any others. Um, yeah, I think that's got to be it. The other was maybe going to be Arrested Development, but I never actually, uh, I realized that NPR did the project that I wanted to do. So I was like, okay, I don't need to do that. Please. It's always <laughs> super annoying when you get gazumped by another organization. <laughs> yeah, and they did it way better than I ever could have done. So I was like, all right, good for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is like, I watched the whole series probably for like the 50th time. Uh, and I actually have a whole notepad with like even more data on it, but um, collected all this data on all the episodes and like who was dating whom in every episode and like what is the A plot and the B plot and the C plot and like all this stuff. And I had this idea in my brain of like building this ginormous timeline of like relationships between characters throughout the whole series. Um, uh, and I still think it would be fun and maybe it'd be a good idea, but like it just never happened because it was, um, I think, too ambitious at the time. Like the data collection was quite long and then I didn't know exactly where I was going with it. So um, by the time I got to the end of it, I was both like 
less interested in the story and also felt like I don't know if I have the skills yet to like do this data justice in the way that I wanted to. Um, like, I think I wanted to do something quite complicated that would require a lot of like programming and then also a lot of vector editor skills, which I didn't have at the time. Um, it's also, so, it's also like, you're not trying to answer a particular question. It's like another one that's no. like, I'm just going to put a bunch of data on a map, basically. Exactly. It was points. very much just like, here's a bunch of data because I love this show and I just yeah. want to put all how, the data so on how a map. Is, so it didn't get you over the hump, right? So it's yeah. like, you know, you got to have like that question that I like, I have to see this come to fruition because there's like a question or something I want to do with this. Not just like, oh, that would be Definitely. cool. Like that could take you over the over the hump. But I feel like we're seeing time and time again. Mm -hmm. That's usually not enough to get you over the hump. Yeah, that's a great this point. Is, this is sometimes you've got to be a little bit careful for with clients as well. Sometimes they're just like, we've got all this data. There must be a story in it. <laughs> and it's <laughs> like, that isn't always the case. <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, like you can do those projects and sometimes they're really popular, particularly if they're about a niche thing. So like, I still think that, you know, I have several of these TV show projects that are like one third finished. Um, and I don't think any of them really have a strong story. It's more like the hurricane one where like, eh, you could kind of like build a little bit of story around it, but ultimately it's just, if you're really interested in this data, you will find this cool. Um, and that can work, especially when you have a topic that has a really niche, strong community around it. But it's not as uh, wide reaching, I think, as um, as something with a narrative. Right. All right, Gabby, to you. All right. Um, I'll try to be short so that we can, you know, meet all things. How do I share my screen here? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. I will show you this, guys. Okay. So I think some of my most famous personal projects is what I call data doodles. And for context, I was working as a communication officer at the embassy. And I wanted to do, at the time, I didn't know it was called database or information design or any of that. I was just like, I like data and research. And I like communicating in visual ways. And I don't know what that is. Um, and I took some classes and I learned Photoshop and stuff like that. And I was like, why are char charts always so boring? Like that was kind of my main thing. I was like, charts are very boring. And at the time, I think like kind of like Ali and her like her wallpaper project, I was like, I need to produce more to train myself. I just need to produce because I'm stuck into this job. It pays okay. I want transition. I have no idea how to do that, but I know what I like and I, I don't see what I like online. Um, so that's one of the things that got me started. So I was like, I'm going to produce a database. I think I was trying to do two a week. I think I may have gone once a month. But, you know, I was like, I'm going to force myself to do a lot. And so it's always small data sets. I was like, it's going to be small stuff because it can be a big one. I wasn't really interested in those. At the time, you saw a lot of those like really big, heavy, complex databases made by like Federica and Federica Fragapane and Georgia Lupi, you know, very complex, a lot of pieces. And I was like, I don't have time to do that. This takes two months. I have a full time job, you guys like I and it's not going to work. So I want to test like smaller techniques with small things. Also, I'm. I think very French in many ways. I'm very much like politic, like I'm into politics. I like to talk about it. I like, I'm very like opinionated about a lot of things. And I just find a lot of really interesting small data that we never hear about, like just really small data. And I was like, can we present them in a way that are a bit more interesting, even though it's a small data set with three data points like you can see here. And so the way I thought about it was like, it's going to be a small data set. It's going to be something that I'm just interested in myself. And, and I'm going to put in a way that's like, 
testing different techniques that I personally would respond to. And no one, I mean, I didn't know at the time a lot of people who did a lot of like collage stuff, but that's just what I like. So I was like, I'm going to do this. So I did a whole year of like different, I tested so many techniques, like 3D, non-3D, with illustration, with collage. And to be honest, it wasn't, I, I think the main, I didn't have like a really set constraint. It was just like, it's going to be on social media because it, it keeps accountabil accountability for me. I just need to be like held accountable of like posting stuff. Like I need to post regularly, not to gain followers. None of that. I actually don't have lots, so it doesn't matter. It was, and then I wasn't on Twitter where, so I didn't know the database people were there. <laughs> I was just like, I'm going to post a lot because I need to improve my skills. And I just want to test it, test a lot of different ways of approaching data. So there's, I mean, there's more, but you know, you can see a lot of those. I was just testing out like, you know, different textures and paint style in Photoshop and photographic style and vintage style and, and all those things on pretty much just topic that matters to me, like little glimpse of stuff I would see in the media, wherever it's, you know, an article that I would see with like a very interesting thing. And I was like, do people know about this number or where does this number come from? Or, you know, why do I feel like I've seen this, but no one really cares? So I was like, how can we approach this differently? And then some random stuff that I thought was pretty shocking. So there was a time, I think in 2020, where there was like a big fire in Australia and it was killing all the animals. And it was like, ah, like they're all dying, the kangaroos. And I was like, cool. Do you know how much animals do we kill every single day? So I did this little, like, I was taking advantage of the carousel. I was like, this is Australia. And then this is long, it's a small bar. And then this very long bar that goes through like a lot of carousel. And this is how many... You know, in the time there was this fire for 59 days, this is how many animals we killed for human consumption. So it's really down to the things I personally felt were interesting. Um, interesting and then, you know, connected to my values. And then I think people should know. And that landed me where I'm at today because I work mainly with ethically driven organization. So, you know, when people are like, I don't know where to start with working with sustainability, just talk about what you're interested in sustainability. Make database about whatever, even if it's been done, you know? Yeah. Whatever you feel strongly about, you're going to do a good job on because it matters to you. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, to me, also, I'm very curious. So I go into like really rabbit hole of questions, stuff that no one really cares about. I'm like, wait, how does this work? So I do things like... Uh, I think I had a question about like, oh yeah, I was like, you know, the whole um, drugs and depressions and mental health issues. It's in, in the US, there's a lot of like pushback and, and, and my husband is really big on like, drugs are awesome and they're gonna save so many people from PTSD. And I was like, is that actually true? Or is this some Californian BS because they just love taking drugs? And so I'm, because I'm a former <laughs> scientist, I go in research paper and I look at the data and sometimes the data actually agrees, which is cool. And I was like, well, I'll illustrate that because this, when you see the original charts of this scientific paper, it's a very boring bar charts. It's very boring. It was many PowerPoints. And I just find it's actually pretty interesting. Like people should know that there are data backing up those kind of studies. Um, so again, I think kind of like well, the background informs the topics quite a bit also. I really like research papers. I think they're pretty cool. And I think there's a gap between what we know in the general public and what the science knows. And so when I'm very opinionated about something, oh, I have a big question that I would love to know. I had a question on, do people adopted more dogs during COVID? And I think the answer is yes. 
uh, and then they send them back, just so you know. But I was really interested in those like random questions. So when I have random question that pops in my head, I'm like, I'm gonna look that up. And then I like look up the numbers. I'm like, okay, I'll I'll visualize this because I think it's kind of cool. Um, I mean, I think yeah. a lot of a lot of these were also really successful because of that. Like, I don't know, call it rule of cool or like rule of new. Also, like it was, you know, it's something people hadn't seen before, and they're very like it's a very distinctive style. Like you said, no one was really doing like data viz with a collage style at this time. Um, and so I think even if like the data is something people have seen before, um, you know, a lot of these are like data that people see on a like uh, uh, pretty like common in news and stuff, but they haven't been presented in this way. Um, so I think that's also a good point for people that like, you don't always have to be finding like brand new data that you've collected yourself. Like you can take data that exists and that has been reported on before, but like hasn't been done, you think in a good way or, or you think you could do it in a more engaging way. Mm -hmm. And what I love about this is that you just started, like you didn't have it all figured out. You didn't know what exactly what your job was going to be. You're just like, you just started. Cause I, I feel like I felt like this way. And a lot of other people I talked to also is just like, you feel almost, um, you frozen by, uh, cause you don't know where, what the right path is. And I told someone the other day, I was like, you're not going to be able to think your way out of this. You just have to act. You just have to take the first step and then you can adjust as you go. Like you can't steer a stationary ship, right? Like you just have to, you have to go, <laughs> you have to start, you start and to start that personal project. If you have a really little bit of an interest in something, you found some data on something, just start making it. And you're not going to know if you're going to be able to get out over that hump. You don't know if it's going to be successful, you know, in the end until you do it. So you just, you just have to really go after it. But I think what yeah. we learned today is finding some data, making your own data, um, trying to make it about something that you feel strongly about feel strongly about um a question that you want to answer um and maybe a tool or technique that you want to try out maybe you saw something cool like will said and you want to try it out like that that has a lot of merit too so then use those things to make really successful personal projects go sorry go ahead gabby i have one more because I, and i'm not going to show the project but i think collaboration is a big way to also mm keep yourself That's accountable and learn new stuff because I have two projects that we made with other people um, in other fields. So one of them was doing jewelry data and the other oh, one was doing right. Tableau. And we collaborated to make projects. And I think that's also a big one. Like mm. the, for the people who are in our Elevate communities, you have access to like many of the talented designers. And so maybe one of you is better at designing in Figma and the other is better at coding. Can you guys come together and create something? Because it allows you to expand your skill set too. You don't have to learn how to code to make a really cool interactive piece. You can yeah. just have a buddy that can code and that can do the trick. And you can lean on each other's uh, energy too. Like if one is starting to wane, you can be pull pull it back up and get it going again. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. I hope that it's inspired you to get started on your own personal project. And thanks for joining us. And if you have any follow-up questions, join us in the Elevate Dataviz community at elevate, elevatedataviz.com. Bye everyone.